throw them all off the cliff. But then we hit record and you're out the door anyway. Our whole relationship is a CD skipping away. Crush on Ray. Welcome back to Crush on Radio. Hello. My brain stopped melting, at least for right now. Yes. You've returned to to sanity. Yeah. This time of year, pretty much anyone who works in radio's brain starts to kind of turn to mush. And it's a a steady diet of not only Christmas music, but having to deal with Christmas. Like setting up for the Christmas music will do that to you. Well, at least now, you know, the pro- the changeover is complete, and now Christmas music is inescapable. Yeah, yeah, it it's that uh, it, it's a mixed blessing in that I, I everything's set up so everything should be pretty straightforward and, and okay, but it, it's still it, it's still riddled with you know potential problems, <laughs> like the fact that it's you know Christmas music. Well, yeah. For, you know, ever. Yeah. Although this year, the uh, Christmas season is really short, so that's not actually pretty cool. Yeah, well, there were, there were some stations, I think, who made the switch over even before Halloween. Oh, yeah. And that that's always the, the case. I think, I've, I think I've told you about that, where it's whoever switches first gets the best ratings, so they keep switching earlier and earlier. You know, well, we're just say hell with it and just have an all Christmas music all the time radio station you know 365 days a year <laughs> uh, honestly like uh, one of like my uh, former boss actually does that on uh, online yeah I'm not surprised at that uh, WXPN in Philly um, they have a, a thing Robert Drake uh, who's a friend of mine uh, the day, on Christmas Eve he does a 24 hour Christmas marathon with him locked in the studio for 24 hours uh, playing Christmas music and Christmas related music, but uh, on their eight on their XPN two station, they they switched over to an all Christmas format. Mm. Uh, XPN, I think it's like it's HD radio or right. something where you you flip it over to like the secondary channel. Right, right. I, I don't know how a, it works. Yeah, HD has a couple of side channels that are available just because there's more, more bandwidth. So, yeah, I I. I you probably don't care all that much about you know how it all works, but there you go. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't even own an HD radio or a radio for that matter. Well, I I own a radio, but it's in storage in Philadelphia, and it's also a record player and a CD player and a cassette player. Oh yeah, yeah, one of those. Yeah. So I can play cassette tapes if I ever want to play cassette tapes. Party. <laughs> I, I still don't get the the allure of the cassette tape revival. <laughs> that makes two of us, man. I think, we, I think we had this discussion. Yeah, it's. I think it's just sort of like you know, you 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 grow up with them and you realize that they're not all that great. And because I mean, when I when I was young, I mean that was like my main way of getting music because our our turntable was broken. We didn't have a CD player yet, so I had a whole mess of tapes and yeah yeah i had some tapes um when i was really young like single digit young 
Mm-hmm. I remember having, I remember specifically having MC Hammer's Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him on cassette tape. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I was, this was what, 90, 89? So I was what, six, seven? Ah, yeah. Yeah, I finally went over to CD uh, when I turned, uh, I think it was like a 14 or 15. We finally got like a, a, a CD player and then we got started, you know, Getting computers with CD drives and yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad had a CD player going back a, a, as far as a, for a long time. He had one of those six di- for a while. He had one of those six disc changers with the cartridges. Oh yes, yes. Uh, we actually like. Um, did you know that like there's radio stations that are still run off of those? Cool. And that, that like, doesn't they, surprise me at all because that's that seems like a really efficient way to do it. Um, it wasn't until computers came out. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, well, you know, if it it's one of those things where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And anyway, the uh, he eventually upgraded that to a fifty CD carousel player. Mm. Uh, and I think he still has that, but I don't think they really use it anymore because you know they're yeah, you know, it's they, but they do listen to the radio a lot, and they got like the satellite radio in the car. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'll say this: the the one thing, the cool thing about satellite radio is that you actually can find stations that are playing good music. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I've been, always been kind of impressed with the uh, uh, range that they have. Like, because I remember, like, I, I don't think it's there anymore, but I remember there was, like, one where, like, every Monday night they would do an all-resident show on one of the channels. Oh, wow. I, I know there was, like, for a while, I think a novelty station on one of the uh, on the satellite radio. I don't know which one, but there's only one satellite radio now. Yeah. But they've got the, the, the one I like is the all-80s one. Um, mm, yeah. I remember... After my dad got the car at the satellite radio built in, I'm just sitting in the car. He was doing something. I'm flipping through the stations. And I put on, um, st- I think the station's called First Wave. And what am I hearing? Don't, don't, don't let's start. This is the oh. worst part. <laughs> oh, my <That's> God. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm trying to think if I've ever. Oh, uh, I've heard they might be giants on the radio, like, very few times. I remember one time it, they were, uh, it was before Factory Showroom came out, and uh, one of my uh, good friends called me because they announced that they were about to play Metal Detector on the radio. And so I I've listened to that, but the I think that's about the only time I've really heard TMBG on the radio. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this was you know, satellite radio, so does, does it really count as the radio? Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's still, you know, it's still... Like, oh my god, they're playing They Might Be Giants. This is officially my favorite station I've heard in the hour that I've heard satellite radio. <laughs> yeah. I also find it interesting that there's an all Elvis radio station on the satellite. Huh. The thing is, is like, I, I would think that you'd like to actually have an Elvis format. You'd have to get to like some of the, the, the really dire shit from the movies. Oh, almost certainly though. I, I'm just wondering if there's someone at the, at there who's like, you know what? For April Fool's, we're going to take the all Elvis station and just play all Elvis Costello. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. Would- I mean, I'm, You'd still have to, you know, probably pat it out with, like, you know, stuff. But, you know, hey. <laughs> yeah, you'd have I to don't play. Like that uh, record. <laughs> which record? I, you broke up during that one. Oh, oh, North. Oh, yeah, I don't have that one. Yeah, um, that, that, I think, I think you can continue on with, uh, that particular life choice to, uh, very little detriment to yourself. Yeah, my, my Elvis Costello, I have the, the first. I think, uh, oh, what is it? I have all of them from My Aim is True to Spike. Mm. And yeah. then I skip ahead to uh, Momofuku and 
some of the more recent ones. I don't have the one he did with the roots yet, but uh, yeah, I don't. I need see. to get. I need to get that one. I, although I've heard that it's actually kind of eh. Yeah, I'm yeah, but but I mean the thing is, is it sounds interesting. It's, so it's, I, it's Elvis Costello. So air from Elvis Costello is still probably light years better than air from a million other artists. Exactly. Well, exactly too. And I mean, at least it's like a like even if it is eh, at least it's an interesting idea. Uh, I mean, that was the problem with North is that it was basically like I think I think it was the first album he'd done after marrying Diana Krall, and it was basically like I want to be Diana Krall now. <laughs> and to be honest, Diana Krall's not that great at being Diana Krall, so. Or at least, or either she's Krall is so. Oh, uh, one of those kind of um, quasi jazz pianists that does kind of like it, it's a little bit uh, a little bit classier version of adult contemporary. Okay, um, it's yeah, that yeah. doesn't excite me at all. Okay, um, yeah, and and that's how North was. It was sort of like I'm, I'm gonna like it's. Kind of like the Bacharach record, except that it, the Bacharach record was good. Mm. <laughs> oh, well. Um, I'll just make it a point to skip over that one if I fill in the gaps in my Elvis discography. Elvis yeah. Costello, that is. Oh, wow, we're ten minutes in. We haven't even started talking about the picks. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I know you missed out on uh, the previous episode's picks, and we should save Sand for Men for uh, when Andrew gets back. He, he, he's uh, His mom's celebrating a birthday today, so happy birthday to Andrew's mother. Yay! Did you say Happy Earth Day? Happy, happy. What? Who am I, Captain Beefheart? <laughs> no, I was like, but I was thinking, like, well, I got kind of, I, I, my brain was going off on a tangent about like a life day from the terrible, uh, um, Star Wars holiday special. Yeah, I, I've still never seen that, and I'm not in any rush. Okay, I, I, I've, I've seen bits of it. Like that, someone actually ran it on um, public access. Um, about 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright infringement is your best entertainment value. Okay, but uh, yeah, we've got we've got records to talk about. Uh, so you missed it. You didn't. You skipped out on last week's, but uh, so you, we can't talk about like Juniper Churches. Yeah, I like I said, my brain was just fried. I figured I would just start fresh. Um, I mean, I've heard a little bit of churches before, and I, I I've dug what I've heard, and so I was kind of. You don't want to hear it, but I mean, at that time, I was just like, ah, too many obligations. Throw them all off the cliff. <laughs> Even good obligations, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. Bathing? No. Eating? No. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> well, definitely check out both of them. I think you'll definitely dig them. Juniper, yeah, I think you'll dig. And churches, I, I, I know you'll dig, so. Yeah, well, I know I dig churches, I, but I, I, yeah, I know nothing about Junip. Um, so, I mean, what, what, what kind of stuff was it? I mean, just a, as a, a, a nutshell. Um, they're hard to pin down. Um, but it's well, first of all, they were. If you, if you're into the Breaking Bad, I've never seen it. Oh, good, that makes two of us. Okay, okay, good. good. <laughs> but a- Andrew's a fan, and uh, he he said that the the song that he picked was the used in the um, um preview for the final episode of the show oh okay which yeah that's 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 kind of cool um yeah. yeah i'm sorry the only the only show i've been keeping up with is boardwalk empire Richard. <laughs> that, that, you get to see like uh steve buscemi's wang in that right no you don't get to see steve buscemi's wang oh okay but they killed my favorite character was it steve buscemi no he's the only guy i know in that oh and then there's some lady who's always naked too apparently because it's well, hbo yeah 
Well, there's several ladies. No, um, they killed off uh, Jack Houston, who is the nephew of Angelica Houston, his character, who is named Richard. He's a oh. World War One veteran with a mask on half his face because he had, got scarred pretty badly in the war. And he's a really awesome character. And he's a badass and he shares my name. Oh, do they have those like cool, like old timey masks where it's like like the the painted thing where it's like like maybe they'll be like held on by like glasses, but it'll yeah, be, like... yes, that's exactly it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that, that, so yeah, that's go so cool. Yeah, check the show out. I seriously recommend it. It's it it's four seasons of twelve episodes, so it's not a huge thing. That okay, like and if you can get past Steve Buscemi's O face in the pilot, you're fine. <laughs> Again. Not as you don't get to see is 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 Wang just as O face. Okay. Okay. We gotta talk about records. Okay. Uh. So why don't you lead it off? Because uh, you you have a pick that's a holdover from the previous week, and it's a good one. Okay. Um. Basically, I picked XTC Skylarking just because I can't believe we've ever actually talked about XTC on this show. And I really uh, wish Andrew were here for this because I I'd love to get his opinion. So we'll have to n- n- nudge him at the next episode. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, I, I was kind of interested in hearing what he would think about your pick, too. But anyway, um, XTC. I uh, love XTC. I, I have since high school. Um, and, I mean, this this might be their best record. It, there's, like, a, a couple of other contenders for me. Um, like, I really like English Settlement a lot, um, although it's got that third side, which I kind of skip over a lot of times. And... Um, the Dukes of Stratosphere stuff, but honestly, I, I mean, I, I think, uh, Skylarking is a hard to go wrong with, and it's produced by Todd Rundgren, who does a lot of, uh, really great production as well as his own records, which are really awesome. So yeah, I, I think it's a good one. So why don't we hear a little bit now of, uh, another satellite. Another satellite, and actually, uh, what they're there, even though like the um production on this is really great, I have to admit that there, or I have to say that there is one funny thing. And like, what I ended up doing was putting up the remastered version in the drop or in the uh thing for us that we the, the communal pit that we share, uh, just because, um, as it turns out, the um, the original uh album that had been in print since 1986 ended up having phase issues that no one twigged to until very recently because uh, part uh, there was something miswired in Todd's studio. And so um, if you listen to the remastered version, it, it sounds it, it's weird because the original album sounds just about perfect, but somehow the remaster sounds even more perfect because yeah. the stuff isn't quite missing. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard the original version. Uh, in fact, I actually have uh, in storage a LP, the original LP, without Mer- dear, with without Dear God on it. Yeah, the one with Mermaid Smiled. Yeah, um, and I've I had uh, the version without with Dear God appended to the end, and I uh, have the remastered version with Dear God shoved gently into the uh, the, the regular track list. 
Yeah. Honestly, I was surprised that they didn't do that because um, I, well, before the show, I like, okay, um, a, a little bit of back back history here so people know what we're talking about. Uh, when uh, the uh, Skylar King was originally released, the song Dear God was not on it. And instead, um, a, cu- a couple songs earlier was a song called Mermaid Smiled, which uh, for uh, a long time was kind was basically unavailable in the U.S., um, until the Reg and Bone Buffet collection came out of kind of an odds and sods. However, in the in the UK, um, Dear God never made it onto the album because um, Andy didn't really like the song. It was a B side originally for from the uh, Grass single. Uh, but the thing is, is that in in the US, DJ started flipping the record over and playing the hell out of Dear God, and it became a, a smash hit. And so Guffin, their their label in the U.S. went, oh well, shit, we need to we need to get this on, and so they uh, ended up like recalling the the album and then repressing it with Mermaid Smiled Gone, uh, but Dear God slotted in uh, before the song Dying. Uh, and the funny thing is though, is that um, on the CD version of the album, it it mirrors the U.S. LP version, even though. Uh, there is no CD version or US CD version that has Mermaid Smiled on it. It's like they didn't do that. And also, you know, I mean, with a CD, there weren't, there's not the space uh, problems that there are with LP. So you could have easily put on both tracks, which I always, pardon, I always find it very weird that Geffen decided not to do that. Just because, you know, I mean, especially too, because 1986, 1987 was the era of the CD bonus track to get you, you know, to pay the extra money to buy the CD, you know. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, they, they didn't do that. And for a very long time, Mermaid Smiled was just sort of a lost track. And then it ended up, you know, showing up on Rag and Bone Buffet. And then pretty much all versions of Skylarking since have had uh, both of them both songs with Dear God either slotted in in the American slot or just uh, pulled out and tacked onto the end. And for what it's worth, I actually think that, uh, oh, for one, I, I really like Dear God anyway. Uh, I, uh, but I think it actually fits in the record very well where it gets slotted in in the U.S. version. Yeah, well, that's why I said it was slotted in gently, not just like rammed in there with force. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, honestly, I mean, I... To be honest, like I, because I, I ended up like tracking down a uh, a copy of the U.S. pressing of the first edition with with Mermaid Smiled on it on the LP. And to be honest, I like um if if you only have the two original LP or U.S. LPs, uh, so we're only talking either you know not not both but one or the other. I honestly like the Dear God version of the LP better. I mean, I my exposure to the album was always had dear, until the the, the 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 ultimate remaster had um, Dear God at the end. So I I was more familiar with it the way, yeah, um, with the original U.S. track listing, you know, the original track listing without Dear God. Mm. Uh, that's why, I, and so I've come to get to use get used to that. And I I like it that way. Uh, I don't mind yeah. having it slotted in with Mermaid Smile, but yeah, whatever. That's I I know yeah. what I know. That's all I could say. But yeah, this is yeah. I think for me, though, the thing that, that bothers me about slotting Dear God at the end is that the album has the cyclical nature going on. I mean, it's um, – and this is this is actually really cool. Like, uh, it opens and closes with the same kind of sound, so you could basically put the album on loop and it would just be a perfect a perfect circle. Right. Um, and that's, that's all Todd Rundgren's doing. Like, basically, what happened is uh, – 
the label said, you should work with Todd Rudgren. And they were sort of like, um, I guess. And they said, no, you need to work with Todd Rundgren. Otherwise, we are dropping you because you need to work with a U.S. producer to have a have a have a goddamn hit in this country. <laughs> you know, and they said, oh, um, OK. <laughs> and, and they sent Todd um, basically all of the, the demos from that record. And he ended up cutting together from the demos Skylarking and said, OK, here is your new record. And they went, OK. <laughs> And uh, ended up like, you know, he rehearsed them to death. And basically, and this is one of those that Andy has said, and I I, I don't know if it's 100% true, uh, but it, it doesn't surprise me. Although I know that Andy and Todd were not exactly the best of friends. But he said that he made them rehearse over and over and over and over and over again. And then got the the perfect or the the runtime of the song from there, and then only allotted them that amount of tape. So if you know, like he he had you know decided that you know by you know uh, come hell or high water that you know dear God was uh, gonna be you know uh, like uh, see what that or that uh, another satellite was going to be four sixteen. God damn it. And if it was 417, do it again. If it was 415, do it again. <laughs> you know. Wow. No offense, but Todd Rundgren's coming off as a bit of an asshole here. Yeah, well, and the, and the thing is, too, is you have to keep in, uh, keep in mind that uh, this is coming from Andy, who, like I said, uh, he and Todd did not get along at all. They kind of hated each other. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's interesting, though, because, I mean, the only – there's also – Todd Rundgren produced the first Sparks album, and I don't think, if memory serves, those sessions didn't go to go that well either. Yeah, I think like like although I know that like he produced a couple of Tubes records, and they like they actually went back to him, you know. Mm. <laughs> but it's sort of one where I, I the impression that I get just from like kind of hearing things about his production style from everything is that it's very very much. <clears throat> sorry it's very much hands-on and very much like almost like it's his record with you writing the songs and playing it and the thing is though i mean is if you listen to todd's albums both the ones that he's produced and the ones that he's made for himself dude does know what he's doing yeah you know i mean it's, i mean if you listen to you know say like um oh um what is it a, a wizard a true star or or, um, something, anything, or you know, Herman of Mink Hollow. You know, it's dude knows what he's doing. <laughs> you know, well, that uh, I, I, I was, I'll still skip the new cars stuff. Honestly, that's actually kind of cool. I, I was, I, I'm not I, talking about the the new cars album. I'm talking about the new cars. No, right, right, right. I know, and I was actually like talking about that with uh, Quinn because uh, Quinn is a, a big Cars fan. I think also uh, Monty, our show uh, friend of the show. And basically, it was uh, that Rick was cool with it, and they was it was just that he had no interest in it, and he he gave it his blessing, and you know, so I don't know it. the The new cars thing didn't bother me as much as it did when I found that out. That it was basically you know everyone was cool with it. It was just that you know Rick didn't really want to partake, and that was cool, you know. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, I know it. It is kind of one of those things that. It does seem a little dodgy on the face of it, just because, you know. Yeah. No talk. 
fucking just had. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, like, yeah, I, I I do love the hell out of this record. Um, and it's interesting at the time. I always I I put on uh, Skylarking almost as soon as the weather gets nice. It's it's not a record I put on in the dead of winter. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, yeah, it is a springy, summery kind of record. And also, another satellite was an interesting choice for the hook because I mean, there's a weird story behind that record. I mean, behind that song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, may I? Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a song that Andy wrote to a fan who basically fallen in love with him, to like one level below stalker. Uh, no, they... no, not 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 even that. I mean, they were they were close. I mean. It wasn't that he was that she was stalking him or anything. It no, was no, no. That... Well, yeah, like one level below stalker. You know, just like not not creepy yet, but um. Anyway, but, but you know, the, Andy the, said the... happily said he was happily married. Does want to leave this? You know, that's what the song's about. Like, I don't need another person to be in love with. I'm happy with my wife. Mm. Fast forward a few years, they divorces the wife and marries the uh, the girl he wrote another satellite about. Yeah, also I... the, who is also, if I'm not mistaken, the president of the XTC fan club. I think so. Yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, I, I'm just saying that, like, you know, she wasn't scary. I mean, I think there was, there, I mean, obviously, apparently now there there is. But I mean, I think even then there was some mutual attraction going on. It was just sort of like a, you know, I mean, it, it I, I mean, I think it was like enough of an issue that he wrote, he had to write the song, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I, I just love the song, too, and the this, this sound of it with the, the very sparse and the kind of drum. Yeah. I mean, there's not really a bad song on this record. No, no. I mean, it's it's a it's a damn near perfect record, honestly. Yeah. In fact, I'm looking at um, it's not one of the uh, albums I have that's all five star tracks in iTunes. Um, I've it's got a few four and three star tracks mostly in the Mermaid Smile is a is a three star for me. <laughs> okay, I I can see that. Yeah. Actually, so I is mean, another satellite, but that's okay. Really, really. Yeah. I mean, it, three star I... is like my average rating. But, but I mean, still, though, because I mean, like, I, I mean, I, honestly, I mean, like, Another Satellite is one of the standout tracks for me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, mean, I, I chose it. But. I, I like it. It's I, I tend to, like, rate my tracks in the context of the album. Um, but five star, five star tracks are ones that I can listen to at any point because that I can listen to at any time because mm. I have my list of uh, my playlist of five star tracks that I haven't played within the last month. So I can just put that on and hear like all my favorite songs. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I have my four star tracks, which are like, okay, these are pretty, these are really, really good in the context of the album, but they're not like standalone songs. And then there's mm-hmm. the three star tracks, which are like, okay, um, you know, they're good. Uh, then I have my two star tracks, which are like, eh, if I'm listening to the album, I'll let this play. And if, uh, you know, whatever. And then I have my one star tracks, which are actually, um, one star tracks are, I have this song as part of another record. Like, this is a soundtrack. And I have this song elsewhere on part of it as part of the actual album, mm. or this is an inferior version. Mm. So um, that's my that, there's my one star tracks. Yeah, usually for me, one star means do not play ever, and it's usually basically ones where, and um, it's a real shit song, but I don't want to delete it because then it then my you know my OCD would kick in and I'd start freaking out about not having the complete record. Mm. Um, and this is especially handy with compilations. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have too many songs that are like that. So, but I, also, I don't have everything in my in my library rated either. So, oh yeah, I do. I, I, I like basically for me, like uh, five is awesome. Four is my generic. 
like usually like when I when I uh, get stuff that I haven't listened to, it usually um like and if I decide that I'm not gonna actually just listen to it as a record because sometimes I I get that where it'll be like I just have too much stuff and I need to kind of filter it, and I don't like maybe this was like an album that I bought and then kind of thought better of or something like that. Um, I will give it a four because usually it's something like I you know and until until otherwise proven. Three is like eh, this is probably okay. Or or sometimes I'll use three of like uh like for example like um there was a blog that uh posted all of the cassettes that came with NME in the eighties. Huh. And I'll throw a link to this in the show notes if I can find it. Um that um after rating the handful of things that I knew, I rated the rest of them three, uh, just because I knew that it would be stuff that I didn't really know and I didn't really want coming up a lot. Because a lot of them would be kind of themed compl- comp- compilations, like, uh, you know, all country, all, all at the time, modern country, which means, you know, 80s stuff like Alabama, <laughs> hmm. a few other things like that. And so I would kind of rate those three. And then when they, when they come up on shuffle, I will adjust accordingly. Two is basically stuff that I, I call spice that I, I like, but I don't want to come up all the time. Like, I mean, honestly, like wild man Fisher is a, is a, common too just because i i really do like wild man fisher but he is not someone that i can listen to a lot fair enough um and then one is basically no <laughs> do you use half stars at all no because there's I, a little I, tweak you can use to to make itunes do half star ratings and i yeah, don't use and, them a lot but if there's like a song that's say um 22 some odd minutes like a really oh. long song that i like but i don't want coming up in my uh, play my you know, this is my all my favorite songs playlist. Mm. Like say, uh, uh, Craftwork like uh, Autobahn. Yeah, Autobahn is uh four and a half stars because it's I love Autobahn, but I don't well, want yeah. if I'm <laughs> listening to my playlist of five star songs, I don't want to have to sit through a twenty minute version of Autobahn. Uh, because well, also because this syncs to my iPhone and um. Yeah. It, it takes a chunk of space. Yeah, and yeah, so suddenly my playlist of right now there's 128 songs in there, and suddenly if uh, if Audubon's in there, suddenly it's going to be like 90. Yeah, yeah. Although for what it's worth, like for me, like uh, Autobahn is like especially the album version is is a straight up five because honestly, it's one of those few long songs that I can listen to anytime. It's like oh. Autobahn's on kick ass, you know. Yeah. Well, I have like I think like one of the shorter versions of Autobahn I keep um, uh, at uh, at five stars. Like um, I think it's the mix version. Yeah, the one that's about nine minutes or so. Yeah, and um, yeah, maybe the live that, that... version too. But uh, looking, um, yeah, Autobahn live version is I have at five stars, and the uh, the mix version is also uh, five stars. Cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I just. Yeah, but I, I know what you mean, because like a lot of times, like, long songs tend to have to work a little bit harder for me, just because sometimes it is, like, I don't feel like sitting down and listening to a half an hour song, and sometimes it's like, this song is a half an hour when it shouldn't be. Yeah, well, in the, in the case of, because I use those five-star songs in a playlist um, that I will just, like, pop on and listen to straight through, um, mm-hmm. actually, it's not even, like, listen straight through, because it automatically updates, so if I'm listening to it at my computer... 
it's just going to play on forever and ever and ever with all these five-star songs that I have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even though the playlist itself is limited to 512 megabytes, so I can keep it on my phone. Right. Cause, yeah, because you're using the um, last played as a mask, right? Yeah, yeah, because it's, yeah. it's anything I haven't played in the last... Uh, last four weeks, last month, basically. Yeah, that I think that's about what I do. I think I, I think I might have it at five weeks, just to kind of get it to stagger through the 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 year. Yeah, and also uh, I have a few other things. Uh, so you know, it's not holiday music. So if I have any five star Christmas songs, um, well, like <laughs> do the John, you like, have any? <laughs> actually, I do. Like the Jonathan Colton, uh, John Ryder Christmas record is awesome. Oh, okay. So you know, um. And I have it not also it doesn't include any like comedy or sound clip songs stuff I have in my library. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it doesn't include anything that's in my top hundred most played songs because that's actually a recent thing I added to uh to it comparatively. I don't, I don't think I, I've actually modified the playlist in forever, but uh yeah, that way mm. it's not playing like, you know, the one hundred Devo songs and Spark songs and whatever that I constantly play because I, I hear those enough. Yeah, yeah. the The way I've got that set up is I have a special uh, playlist for the stuff that I've the, the my most played, just because I figured that those are going to basically be my like my uh, power gold, if you want to use the uh, the radio term, you know. Mm-hmm. The, just because I mean, if I've played a song like you know fifty times, probably I like it pretty well. <laughs> yeah, uh, just I'm looking at my top hundred most played. My my top played song weirdly enough, is 271 plays What We Do by Devo. That is a great song. I mean, let me see what mine is. I don't know, honestly. Uh, I'm going to bring mine up here in a sec once this clicks over. Songs. Where's play, plays? My uh, uh, Palm Quarter Yajna uh, by The Mountain Goats at 54 plays. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I played something for everybody like crazy after it came out, so... Yeah. I I, I did, too. I mean, I've got, like, uh... I'm trying to see what other things I've got, like, uh... I have a lot of Kit Kelly, which is my friend, uh... Kate Brennan's project. And, uh, oh, uh... I Love You Goodbye by Thomas Dolby is my number... What? One, two, three, four... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight... Uh, number eight song... Number seven is uh, Last Stop This Town by Eels. And then uh, six, Flowers on the Wall, Statler Brothers. Five, uh, Lightning Seeds with uh, Sugar Coated Iceberg. And then four is uh, Dance Music by the Mountain Goats again. Okay. Yeah. Um, my, I'm my sure t- everyone cared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's interesting to have stats on this. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's you know, my five-star playlist. It's, it's all kinds of crazy stuff, and I never know what's going to come up. Unless I'm looking at it, uh, but I also usually put it on shuffle. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. see. Let's see. Right now, the number one, the first song that would play on best stuff is uh, "Maggie's Farm" by Bob Dylan. Mm. God, that's a good song. Okay. Um, why aren't we talking about XTC? <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, I guess also too. Like, what do you think about the new cover of of Skylarking? I like it. I I don't. <laughs> I think I, it's ugly. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I mean, it's it's. I'd I rather have like the brown. I, I'd rather have that than um I mean it for those who are listening at home and don't know the new cover new in in air quotes is a picture of a lady's pubic area with flowers in the in the hair. Yes. 
And so I'd, I'd rather have that because that's at least kind of artsy. Uh, there's an album by the band Death Grips uh, called No Love Deep Web, and that cover art is a picture of someone's erect penis with the oh, album the, ti- the... with the album t- with the album title badly written on it in, in marker. And I have that record, but I replaced it with the alternate cover art of just some guy's uh, shoes with socks saying "fuck you" on them. Ah, uh, because th- th- yeah. that's that's less. The, the 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 penis thing is a little less uh, artistic and aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, because yeah, isn't it just basically like? Because I think I've seen that like at least the censored out version, just because I I see it in um like like uh mail mailing lists from uh, record stores, you know. Okay. And isn't it isn't it basically like a poorly framed thing? That's basically like a a friggin' selfie of his wang. Yeah. Well, we don't know whose wang it is, but it's theorized it's the drummer. Anyway, um, oh, we're okay. like 40 minutes in. We should talk about the polysix. Oh, shit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you see, this is why we need Andrew. <laughs> yes, yeah, he, he, he reigns us in from babbling about stupid shit. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I think the, the song rating talk is important, though. Anyway, um, you know, you have to have a system. Um, yeah, so my well, pick yeah. this week is the new newest EP from Japanese electronic pop uh, rock pioneers devo influenced uh band poly six uh it's called mega overdrive and the song i picked is mega overdrive which is not surprising so uh here let's hear a little of that now and please note crushing radio is not responsible if your head explodes I picked this is that well I know Matt and I are both Polysix fans going way 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 back. Um, yeah, and, and in fact, it's I, I'm actually kind of sad that Andrew's not on this show because I I, I really wanted to hear what he thought of Polysix. Yeah, I, so Andrew, if you're listening out there, we are going to sort of give you like a quiz at the head of the next episode. Um, so this is um, they've been around for over 15 years now. Um, They've gone through a number of lineup changes. I think they've had as many drummers as Spinal Tap. <laughs> it's getting there. Yeah, it's either that or like Spinal Tap and the Fast, fast Combined at this point. <laughs> yeah, they, they um, uh, they, most recently they, uh, they, they became a three piece. What do they, uh, they, they lost their uh, keyboard player, Kayo. She just, you know, she just had to retire. And they've been trying to sort of, ma- she's always been a major component of their sound. Like, their earlier stuff has these great synthesizer hooks. She was this keyboard player. Uh, she also sang uh, lead on many of the, on, on some of the tracks. Mm-hmm. All, a lot of the singles, too, even. Yeah. All, all, like every so, almost every song she sang on is one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it, it, it was a blow. I mean, they gave... She left on good terms. They gave her a hell of a, of a going away party. Uh, mm-hmm. they, uh, a show at the Budokan Hall that went on for, like, it was so long that they couldn't fit it all on a one Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. They, they they released footage of the show, and it was a two Blu-ray set with the show split across both discs. <laughs> That's pretty insane. Uh, yeah, and, especially considering the fact that Polysix put on easily one of the most intense live shows I've ever seen. So 
Yeah, I mean, I I watch Poly Six Live, and I wonder how he how like well they all, but especially Hero can do it because it's like he is running all around and just super duper high energy, and I just like how do you do that? <laughs> if it well, the first time I ever saw them live, he came out on stage and chugged a Red Bull, but I don't think that helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that can only carry you so far. Yeah. Um, so, um, where was I? Oh, yeah. Anyway, so they've been trying to sort of figure out how to, how to make their sound work without Kayo, and they've been using, like, sequencers to have synthesizer lines, and, um, I think they're finally getting back on track, uh, because the, the first album they put out without Kayo was kind of disappointing, except for the singles, and the most recent one is better, uh, but the, and Mega Overdrive just caught my attention. I remember seeing there's this awesome live performance that got out, uh, from a, Rock Music Festival in Japan. I think it was the Rock in Japan Festival. Uh, and first, it's the first song they've ever done without any guitar in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hero just comes out. He in 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 the live version, it's it's drums, bass, and Hero on a SH101 synthesizer just going crazy, and it's awesome to watch. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I I think it's the sign. It's I'm really impressed. It's a sign that they're trying new things, and I think they're they're trying they're getting their feet uh, again. And if it's any, and also they switch back to the orange uniforms for some reason. So, <laughs> which 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 I think bodes well. Um, though I, I did like the the gray ones. What am I saying? Anyway, um, so I I I'm really excited. There's also a couple re-recording of older tracks on this record, which are interesting. So Matt and I are going to geek out about that, I'm sure. But anyway, <laughs> Matt, what what do you think at least of the title track? Love love the title track, of course. And like you say, like even even in like post KO Poly Six that have been a little bit. Eh, like the singles have been typically really strong, um, and but for me, like the rest of the EP is just kind of there, like I mean, in 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 a poly six way, which means it's still better than ninety nine percent of the stuff that's out there. But you know, it it I I I'm I am having trouble, I guess, uh, in a post Kyo world, um, like, and I I know we you and I had kind of talked about this a little bit, uh, just uh, online, but. Like I, I'm beginning to think that I might just pardon be buying um, the Poly Six records because I should rather than I really necessarily like need them. Like because I mean I think like you know back when it was like you know when there were like the the early ones, you know like I needed uh, for Young Electric Pop. I needed Noi. I needed um, um, National P. You know. <clears throat> sorry um and i just don't get that need anymore and i think that i what i what i would like to see for poly six is a complete shake-up i i and i don't mean lineup wise um but i mean sound wise and i think that like you're kind of right about like a uh, mega overdrive being a step in the right direction just because it is the first one with uh no guitar but i what i i kind of want and and, and i think this might just be nostalgia kicking in but I, I want to put on a Poly 6 record and have my face blown off like it was the very first time I heard Poly 6. And I don't know if that's possible, but I like I, I, I think for me, like a lot of times it seems that they're kind of doing Poly 6 songs instead of songs that are by Poly 6, if that makes sense. I, I sort of like going through the motions. Kind of, and... Like to be honest, too, like the the two re-recordings, I was not impressed with. 
I like I'm like baby bias. Like I mean, I love baby bias. Uh, but the baby bias 2013. Okay, and I think partly too is because of the they've a lot of the sequencing they're doing on the synths are kind of lame. Like I mean, there's not really a lot going on synth wise with baby bias 2013. It's just sort of boring on on the synth line, and it just seems sort of like. I don't know. I, I like they've always done uh, re- new versions of of songs. Like I mean, there's a lot of their songs that have you know years appended to them. You know, <laughs> um, but for what it's worth, like, and sometimes it really, really works, and sometimes it really doesn't. And for me, this one's these ones don't. I just go like you know there there is pretty much no time I would ever listen to, to Baby Bias 2013 when I could listen to to real Baby Bias. I I can see where you're coming from. There, it's I think they're sort of just. Um, with the re-recordings, it's, you know, we're playing these songs live, or we want people who can't see us live to hear how we're handling it, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that they did that with, um, like, actually, I think Baby Bias again on the, or was it, or no, was it Blackout Fallout is what I'm thinking of on uh, Poly Six or Die, where they did the, the live arrangement in the studio, which was really cool. Yeah. I do like the the I do like I don't think it's better but I do like the reversion of I, the new version of I My Mimon. I think the kazoos are inspired. That that one's okay. I think that one is more successful than Baby Bias. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe it's because like I mean while I like uh, I My Mimon a lot, I I don't I didn't have that immediate connection like I did with uh, Baby Bias. I mean Baby Bias is one of those songs that kicked my ass. Mm-hmm. You know when it originally came out. Um but I mean I really do like I My Mimon, but I just still like I don't know. The kazoos were cool, but it just still didn't really click. I mean, again, it was a little bit, you know, why wouldn't I just listen to the real one? Yeah. Where, I mean, I think with, like, Blackout Fallout, um, both both versions, the, the live version and the studio version, really hold up as their own song. Like, I mean, I could, like, I mean, I prefer the album version, but I, I could see going, I want to hear the rock and live version, you know, with that one. Yeah. And with but with uh, the 2013s, I just don't get that. I just go, oh, okay. And I mean, it makes me sad because I mean, I love Poly Six, and I I want to love them as much as I used to, which is, admittedly, I still love them quite a damn bit. <laughs> I mean, considering that I fucking flew to New York to see them on their uh, last tour with Kayo, <laughs> you know, that's not a that's not a band that you you know don't love a lot to do that <laughs> yeah I, I i'm sorry i missed that what was that the halloween show they did uh no it was in february okay uh and i actually got to like interview hio uh hio hero hero <laughs> hero um and i'll throw the link to that in the show notes too but i got to interview uh hero for a uh, pop shifter yeah i got to carry him on my shoulders once <laughs> mm, that's pretty cool too yeah um but I hope they eventually come back to the U.S. because I, I do want to see them live yes. with, their, with the new. Even if it's just the three piece, I don't care. They could. I, I want to see Poly Six again, uh, and hopefully, definitely. They, they, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a, a reason I asked host the Halloween show because I think like not long before the announcement that Kaya was leaving, they did like a, a a brief U.S. tour and they did a Halloween show in New York. They came out in Devo suits over top of the uh, regular jumpsuits. God, that must have been hot. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I don't know how they do it, but they came out in Devo suits and did a version of Uncontrollable Urge. 
uh, to start off the show. I'll see if I can find the video of that and throw that in the show notes as well. Um, awesome. Whew. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite things about the, uh, the 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 New York show that I did see was um, they they were coming out and doing their own sound checking and stuff, and like they're you know getting their their gear on stage and all that kind of stuff. And on the pre-show music, um, Big Mess uh, showed up and. Uh, like by Devo, of course. And uh, it happened to be when Hero was kind of checking his guitar and like getting levels on that. And so he started playing Big Mess and then like Fumi came out and, you know, they, they did like an impromptu version of Big Mess, which was really, really awesome. That is, that, that is awesome. Yeah, it, it was, and it was, it, you like, I, I, you know, I mean, it was just them like in, in their civvies even, you know. Mm-hmm. And not not in the jumpsuits, and it was just really really cool, <laughs> you know, just because it's sort of like, oh, this song is awesome, you know. <laughs> the other one I remember um, is this is before they did this, or this is still doing the pre-show music. Uh, "Take on Me" by Aha came on, and the entire crowd sang along. That, that that's pretty awesome. When I saw them, I saw them twice in Philly. I never saw them in New York, but I saw the the second time I saw them in Philly. No wait, I saw them once in New York and once in Philly. When I saw them in Philly, the pre-show music they were headlining. And uh, mm-hmm. the pre-show music was all Devo stuff, and I remember Hero playing on a little bit with Jocko Homo during uh, his soundcheck. But uh, uh, yeah, it was interesting when I f- saw them the first time. It was, they were opening for like five ska bands. Yeah, yeah, like that was the f- when I I saw them too. They, it was like they were the very first act, and there were like three or four different kind of bleh, ska punk bands after them, and it was kind of funny because the crowd mostly was there to see Poly Six and. It really emptied out, and I think I, I think I told this story maybe on the show or not, but like, basically ended up like following uh, Poly Six out the side door, and a bouncer came and and shouted at me and Dale and Ben. That I think Ben was there too, but uh, shouted at us that uh, you know we were not to go out that door, deciding that of course we were already outside, and that thus we could not come back again, and we were you know. Oh darn! <laughs> yeah, no reentry. Fine, we didn't want to come back anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, we're we're fine hanging out here talking with Poly Six. <laughs> when I went to see them in New York, when they were opening for all the ska bands, I think the crowd was mostly there for the ska bands because it didn't empty out. Um, but I certainly didn't stick around much. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting because the 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 crowd was there was a few people who were there for Poly Six and a couple people who got into it. But I remember very clearly some ska kids like standing to the side, like "Show us your eyes," because they were wearing the silver advisors. And like, oh, yeah, yeah. they, yeah, they, they couldn't skank to it, is, is what I'm <laughs> saying. And it's, yeah, hell with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Like I think with me, it was like most of the people were there to see Poly Six, but they won over a lot of the people who weren't. And you can't I win mean, all the time. Yeah, and I remember too, like basically, like the merch table was swamped after their set. Yeah. Um, the second time I saw them, uh, I actually got Hiro, um, Kayo, and Fumi to sign my the, the little mini poster from National P. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I got that for, um, I think it was Poly Six or Die. And, like, Hiro and Fumi signed mine, and that was cool. Yeah, they were, that was when they were, they were drumming with Yano on that tour, and I didn't, ha- and I didn't want him to sign it because he didn't play on the record. Yeah. Which is, you know, if, it seems a little rude, but I think I, at least, you know, I, I, I thanked him and shook his hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like I have a copy of uh, in the beginning was the end. Mm-hmm. The the book that uh, helped oh, inspire Devo. Yeah, yeah. And I've got uh Mark, Bob 1, Bob 2 and Jerry's signatures on it 
And mm-hmm. I met Josh and I shook his hand and I really thanked him, but I didn't offer him to him to sign because he wasn't there. Right. Yeah. It, uh, I think a uh, gentleman I know, uh, Nick, who is the drummer for Devo tribute band Spud Boys, mm-hmm. uh, he, I'm, he told me, I think it was him who told me this. He, like, he, he was at a Devo show in like 88 and he had the, the band sign his copy of uh, Freedom of Choice and he accidentally ended up with, um, uh, David Kendrick's signature on Kendrick? his copy of Freedom of Choice. Yeah. Oh, huh. it's like, yeah, it's I, every once in a while I, I will see like people who will have like, say, like uh, the the pink album by They Might Be Giant signed by like uh, Danny and Marty and Dan. <laughs> and it's sort of funny. <laughs> like, I would totally love to have their signatures on something, but not the pink album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, and it's not a diss on on uh, the, the, the Dan's and Marty. It's just that they weren't remotely in the picture at that point you know it's like i would totally want them to sign you know uh like the else say but i so i think the else is still my favorite they might be giants album the else is very strong it's it it's on like it's on the top half of my uh rating list you know and it's it's probably i think it's my favorite since john henry i don't know if mixed minds on john henry anyway that, that's off topic I, okay yeah Okay, we should probably wrap it up because we're getting a little uh, we're getting a little long here at uh, fifty seven minutes according to the thing. Yeah. yeah. Andrew, come back. We need you. <laughs> um. So, where can we all find each other on the internets, Mister Kitty? Well, uh, I am at kittysneezes dot com. Kittysneezes on the Tumblr. Kittysneezes on Twitter. And yeah, and also Andrew Marvin, who is not here, is also at andrewmarvin.net, Andrew Marvin on the Twitter, on the Tumblr, on the... Actually, I don't know if he's on Tumblr. Um, on the app.net, on everything. Yeah. And I'm sanspoint.com, sanspoint on the Twitter, and uh, um, what a breathman on the Tumblr. That's the one odd one out. Well, also, I, I, I signed up for Instagram again, and I, I, can't, I couldn't get sanspoint back, so I'm randers 83 but uh, we're crushonradio.com, crush on radio on Twitter, uh, crush on radio on iTunes. I uh, see we had a, another rating recently. Woo! Write, write us a review too, because uh, we love you. And that's uh, that's about it, I guess. Uh, we will be back uh, in full force uh, in two weeks. Um, oh, we had to. We have some picks that we should talk about for next for the next episode. I will tell you oh. about mine. I will be uh, discuss. I, I'll be. Uh, discussing an album that I've been playing a lot as of late. It is the album Armed Forces by Mr. Elvis Costello and his band called The Attractions. Okay, and your pick there, Matt? My pick uh, is one that I think I may have teased a long time ago. I don't remember, but I am finally (laughs) picking it. And the album that I am finally picking is Stereotype A by Chibamato. Ooh, they, they supposedly have a new album in the works. That's what I've heard. I'm so excited. Yes, I can't wait. So, like, yeah, they showed up in the new Yoko Ono video, too. Yeah, I saw. Um, okay, so that's that's your homework for next week. Andrew will be back. Uh, we'll be, he'll be talking about San Men or San Furman? San Furman, something like that. I don't, San Furman is how I read it. I don't know. He knows how to say it, I bet. Yep. And, well, anyway, they, they liked your tweet, so you can ask them. Uh <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah, this morning, uh, my last FM is set up to tweet my uh, top three uh, picks or uh, top three uh, charts of the week. And San Fermin uh, was uh, 
number one because I was listening to it for you know for this show before I knew that Andrew couldn't make it, um, and uh, they they favorited it on Twitter this morning, and I was sort of like, oh, neat. <laughs> well, we'll talk um, about I, it in two weeks. Yes, and I will probably listen to it again in two weeks, which means that they they will they will probably favorite it again. You hope. Okay, we got to get out of here. <laughs> All right, I'll. Sp- Great talking to you, Matt. You too, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bones. Bye-bye.